you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. The Around the NFL Podcast. Vacations in teams' medical whirlpools. <laughs> Welcome back to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast. My name is Dan Hansis, and I am joined, as always, by a room filled with heroes, Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What's up, boys? Hey, Dan. Hey. hey Let's get a handle on these drops. <laughs> We bathe in teams' medical pools. I like that one. It's, it's not creative. That far off from what's Vacation going on. Vacation there. When's your last? Pretty far off. When was your last tropical vacation? Uh, my honeymoon. Yeah, which was what years and years. Two thousand and nine. Yeah, I I went on a nice one on my honeymoon. That was years ago. Well, and you massively overspend for it. We paid for it for the next four years. So, <laughs> I think what Matt Money was getting to there was we are men of modest means and humble origins. Mm. And Very high up in the common man rankings. Right. So we're not cliff diving in Kauai with Al Michaels this weekend. We are bathing in whirlpools I think you're, in locker rooms. Maybe that's a little bit over. You might be reading too much into it. I think it's just a totally ridiculous statement, and I approve. <laughs> Maybe. Got to be pretty high up in the food chain to be inside a team complex to start with. So that's there's some fundamental issues with the whole thing. It is week 12, and um, a wise man... Okay, it was Mike Francesa. Once said to me over and over again as a, as a teen listening to sports radio, you don't take the NFL seriously until Thanksgiving. And, and on some levels, Mike, he's, he's right. This is when we really start to figure out what is going on, who's for real, who's a phony. Thanksgiving is come and gone. And, yes, there were three games on Thursday that we usually talk about every game this season. We will get to those games in some in some way a little later in the show. But for now – this is our Sunday flagship show, sponsored, of course, by Mr. Flame's economics class in The Hague, the Netherlands. Mr. F. And we have a bunch of games to talk about today, 12, in fact, including the Sunday night uh, affair in Denver uh, between the Chiefs and the Broncos. So I say, fellas, unless there's anything else anybody wants to discuss, we should just get right into it, fellas. And why don't we start with one of the games of the year at the Black Hole. Newton takes the snap, back, four-man rush. Newton got hit, ball's loose, it's free, and this game's over. 
It is recovered by the Raiders. They got him with the rush, and Carolina is going to fall to 4-7 and seven on the season. Khalil Mack was a big play machine on Sunday. His sack strip and fumble recovery, the difference in the Raiders' 35-32 win over the Car- – Uh-oh, somebody locked that up? Who locked it up? Mark Sessler. Oh, the Sessler! No one, no one re- didn't even remember doing it, but that's two weeks in a row. So Look at you, Mark. Enough with the hot-headed critique. Look at you, Mark. Anyway, a 35-32 win over the Carolina Panthers at the Black Hole. Carolina had wiped out a 17-point halftime deficit, and Derek Carr suffered a a painful finger injury. But the 2016 Raiders are a special team that always finds a way. Who wants to get us started here? Well, this is one of those games you thought, well, for once, this Raiders little magic is going to wear off because you thought you think the game's over. It's 24 to seven going into halftime after a Khalil Mack pick six and the Panthers look lifeless. I think Cam Newton had less than 20 yards passing in the first half and you think this thing is over and they put 25 straight points up. They not just take the lead. After they take the lead, you think the Raiders, maybe they're going to come back three and out. Panthers drop another touchdown on them to go up eight points. In the middle of all that, the Carolina went for three two-point conversions. Each time, it sort of logically made sense. Each time, they missed. But when the Raiders got their touchdown back, they hit the two-point conversion. They win it at the end. I mean, the game had a little bit of everything that we can dive into, but it just shows the, the Raiders in a spot where most teams, I think, would have crumbled there, fought back. I, the Panthers are four and seven this year, and they are done. Um, there's no, there's no hiding it. But again, th- what they flashed in this game is what they flashed all years. That team from last year was still in their DNA this year, and and it would pop out in spurts. But the difference between this team and last and last year's team is West. They just couldn't keep it going, and this is a perfect example of what happened today. Yeah, I think you point to Derek Carr and Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack making plays with the game on the line, and Derek Carr this year in the fourth quarter when the Raiders are tied or trailing has a passer rating of 122.5 with a 10-to-1 touchdown-to-interception ratio. You can't play quarterback better than that. Right, and it's on a day where he he suffers an injury. He leaves the game. Ouch, that looked bad, too. It, it looked bad. He comes back in and throws one of the ugliest interceptions uh, that you'll ever see uh, a week after he threw another ugly one. But I think that's that's sort of why I'm not in on Derek Carr as an MVP, but that doesn't matter. He's one of the best quarterbacks in the league for one of the best teams in the league. And when he makes mistakes, he fights back and, and they get 13 points in the last two drives. And the defense, they get a little bit of luck. They get make some plays to end the game. It's crazy the loser of Sunday Night Football will fall two games behind the Raiders. And, you know, when you live in Southern California – it's easy to walk into any sports bar and find yourself annoyed with Raiders fans in general. They can be because ah. they are very passionate. They can be an annoying group, but I will give it to I'll give this to them. They're loyal. They've been that team has moved multiple times. They've been through a lot. First winning season guaranteed since 2002. Wow, Steve. I mean, yeah. And Khalil Mack ended the game with with a sack of Cam Newton. So just to be able to do that, like yeah. punctuating. They were in the darkness. Forever. I mean, so for them to come out and this does I mean, there's there's pixie dust in the air with this Oakland team. Uh, Not only they win and win in different ways and win late. um, They seem to continue like many teams would have 
you know, went down the tubes when Carolina took that game over, but the Raiders came back. With and you're, bad, and it's tough when you're trying to, for the first time as a young team, figure out what to do when you're 8-2 and two going on 9-2. and two. How do you play against a team that has essentially nothing to lose in the Panthers because your season is now over, but it was heading towards Kyle, over dude. to begin with? Right, and they're without Luke Keekley and Mario Addison, who've been their two best defensive players the last few weeks. So, at Luke Keekley, obviously their best defensive player. So, you know, they deserve some credit for fighting back Ted Ginn. But the end of this game showed the difference in this team. Kelvin Benjamin shows a total lack of awareness uh, in a tie game with about five minutes mm. left, catches a pass that should have been a first down. He goes out of bounds about half a yard before the first down marker. Really could have easily had it if he was just aware. And what does Ron Rivera do? Old Riverboat Ron. 40-yard line. I know, I know it's on the other side of the field. Five minutes left, though, in an offensive game. He punts it away. He needed a foot. Mm. With a physical freak at quarterback. And he punts, it, punts it away, and, and the Raiders go right down the field on him. Connor, what did you have to say? Keep piled in. <laughs> They're Perhaps forked. not. They're forked. They're done. The Raiders, though, vying with the Patriots for the number one seed in the AFC. They have three road games left in five weeks. All three road games are against AFC West rivals. How about that? Oh, wow. By the way, well, that's tough. That is tough. But was... the Patriots aren't playing well either, so I, I don't really see either one of these teams as a huge favorite. I mean, the Raiders, every every game comes down to the end, and the Patriots, I think they have their own. If they ever got a run in the AFC playoffs, the black hole, is a, I would imagine, would be a very tough place to go and play a playoff game. Yeah, interesting to watch a, a playoff game. Wait, they, they get rid of the infield after baseball season's over. Yes. We don't have to worry about that. That's okay. true. Yeah. Panthers have to stay out in California all week before, I believe, playing Seattle. Well, they could, matter. they could go stay in Eurasia or central you know, Japan uh, at this point. Who cares where over. they stay? Yeah. Greg Papa with, at KGMZ had that call, by the way. Got to give him some credit. Now let's check in on the team, another downtrodden 2016 team, uh, the Arizona Cardinals. The opponent of the Panthers in the NFC title game seems so long ago now. Ball at the 35 for oh, Ryan, who's in the gun now. He'll dump it here to Gabriel. He'll make a move 30, 25, 20. Taylor Gabriel, 10, 5, touchdown! 219 to go in the first half, and the best thing Cleveland's ever done for Atlanta is standing in the east end zone with a touchdown that gives the Falcons their first lead of the day. Felt like a shot at Mark by Wes Durham at WZGC, Falcons Radio Network. The Falcons are so dangerous on offense because they could beat you in so many ways. On Sunday, it was Taylor Gabriel's turn to shine. His touchdowns of 35 and 25 yards helping to lead the Falcons to a 38-19 win over them. Ooh, it got locked up. I think this one's the old Zeuser. Oh, yeah, 2-0, baby. We're halfway home. We're halfway home. Exciting. What would you do if we got all four locks correct for the first time all year? What would you do? I mean, I obviously I wouldn't go to sleep that night. I would drink all night at the local <laughs> tavern at the cozy. The Falcons um, hand a 38-19 defeat to the dead in the nest Cardinals. Chris Wessling. Sometimes it feels like the Falcons and Cardinals switch bodies. Sometimes, sometime last summer. I can't get over that intro. Dead in the nest, switching bodies. Look at you. <laughs> Look at you. I know hey. what you were doing while we were watching the end of these games. It's week 12, baby. Wow, well, that was seen. impressive. You know, a lot of people are going to kill the Browns for Taylor Gabriel. It's unfair. You can't. It's one thing to ask him to be your number one wide receiver in Cleveland, a five foot eight guy, undersized, 
and then it's another to go to Atlanta where Julio Jones draws all draws all the coverage. You only call you only dial up Gabriel's number four or five times a game for big hit plays by a great play caller like Kyle Shanahan. And that's it's one thing to be a role player. You can't ask a guy like that to be a number one receiver. It's not fair to kill the Browns for not appreciating. Uh, no what one, they hit. no one was going after Taylor Gabriel. He's only there because he knows Kyle Shanahan's offense. But he, he was phenomenal in this game. Lightning quick cuts, making plays in the open field, slicing through the Cardinals defense. And I think every week you see the talent on the Cardinals roster that got them to thirteen to three. And then during that game, you also see costly mistakes, and you saw that today. Two defensive pe- uh, pass interference penalties for Patrick Peterson on Julio Jones. One led directly to Devontae Freeman, one-yard touchdown, and the other negated an interception by Dale Buchanan. There was a Calais Cam- Campbell uh, penalty on fourth down that gave Atlanta a fresh set of downs and led to a touchdown. And then DJ Swearinger dropped an interception that led to a touchdown mm. for Atlanta. A lot of mistakes by the Cardinals. I see one team like last year's Cardinals that finds a different way to kill you every week. We're talking about Taylor Gabriel this week. We'll be talking about someone else next week and someone else the week after. And the Cardinals for me, David Johnson, the highest floor of any running back in the league week to week. Maybe Le'Veon Bell's right there with him. But it seems like a two-person offense right now. It's Larry Fitzgerald. It's David Johnson. And that's the opposite of last year where guys like Nelson and both Browns and multiple other players were stepping up for the Cardinals every week. Michael Floyd hurt his hamstring in practice this week, so he was limited in this game. Bruce Arians told the Fox broadcasting team that John Brown was as healthy as he's been all season. He proceeded to hurt his hamstring and left uh, early in the third quarter, if not before then. So you're right. It's a two, two-person two offense, and David Johnson and Leifers Gerald both had spectacular performances. David Johnson, the only running back besides Edron James, with 100 yards from scrimmage in 11 straight games to start the season. And Leifers Gerald just making – diving plays, caught a ball and immediately slid to call timeout to save one second on the clock mm. for a for a 54-yard field goal right before halftime. It, it was great by both of those guys, but they're all alone where, on that offense. Where would the Cardinals be this season if Fitzgerald wasn't still playing like he's 27 years old? They, I mean, you might, they might only have a couple wins. Well, I think we've talked about two teams now in the Panthers and the Cardinals that last year we couldn't have been higher on. There'll be two teams right now that are flying that next year will be total junk. There's not enough consistency with these teams. Right, and but they're also they're two teams that, like you said, you kind of see the talent each week, and a few, if a few things broke a little differently, they, they'd have winning records, they'd be flipped, but that, that's the NFL. Like, the Falcons are, are a great example of it a year ago. Like, this game, they have 360 yards and 38 points. You don't usually see that. The yardage in this game... It looks fairly even. I don't, I don't know if it was an evenly played game, but the, the Falcons are the ones playing smarter. Cardinals came out and moved the ball almost at will early on. They had reshipped their offensive line, kicking D.J. Humphreys over from right tackle to left tackle, which they believe he's more natural on the left side anyway. Mm. And then they put Ulrich John in on right tackle, and Vic Beasley used basically from mid-second quarter on, used him as a punching bag and hurried Carson Palmer on most of his drop. I mean, there's three NFC West teams shuffling the line in Week 12. And it's not working for any of them. Falcons got a chance here at, at a bye, by the way. All these teams that are 7-4, including the Lions, the, the, that number two bye, number two seed in the NFC is pretty wide open. Let's check in on another Southwest matchup in the NFC.
Wide receiver screen to Snead. He can throw as well. Got it's it. a lateral and across the field. He hits Hightower in stride. Down to the 10. Makes a move at the 8. He will score. Touchdown. 50 yards from Willie Snead to Tim Hightower. Sean Payton is opening up a can of Whoop. gotcha. <laughs> Who gotcha? <laughs> can of gotcha. I like it. Uh, Jim Henderson stepping on a uh, a great line from Deuce McAllister there of WWL. You know, I think that had a chance, by the way, to get into the top ten calls of the year, but they kind of trampled each other at the end there. I, you know, I, I'd still consider it. It's rare to, you know, see the two guys work so poorly together. It almost makes it charming. <laughs> Plus, Deuce McAllister. I miss Deuce. I also like great du- guy. Deuce clearly a homer, and that's fine with the local radio guys. Uh, when the ball's in the air, just going, got him. Got him. Got him. (laughs) Anyway, more on that play in a moment. Drew Brees accounted for five touchdowns, and the Rams and rookie quarterback Jared Goff could not come close to keeping up in a 49-21 win for the Saints at the Superdome. Whoa, that's 3-0. Who locked this baby up? I should have known. I locked it up. Gerg. Great job, buddy. That's Not three. exactly out on a Greg. limb with this one. But yeah. Pressure's on me, huh? A lot of pressure on you. No spoilers. I don't know what it was. You might not know what it was. I know what it was. Okay. No spoilers. All right. The Saints rolled up over 500 yards in total offense with a game plan that seemed like a special FU from Sean Payton to Greg Williams. Greg. I have not regretted anything in our podcast more than uh, Wednesday night, I remembered. I didn't even mention in this preview that this is the Greg Williams Sean Payton revenge game. They have oh, not so much revenge. They have not played against each other since Greg Williams was unceremoniously pushed out the door after the 2011 season. After a lot of transcripts came out from the Bounty Gate hearings, where Joe Vitt and other Saints officials buried this guy Greg Williams and Sean Payton. His players said it. This this game meant more. You could tell this game meant more to Sean Payton than others. Cam Jordan. At least I heard this. Is you know, someone tweeted about it that that he said you know Peyton talked to the defense and, and players during the week and he he told them we're gonna get fifty for you. Whoa, we're gonna get fifty burger. And this kind of puts the whole you know he Whoa. you know he loves putting the this so he Rams, failed. Yeah, he failed. Yeah. This Rams defense in its place. Like okay, this Rams defense is okay. It's not one of the top defenses in the league. So we're simply. Slicing out Sean Payton from Bounty Gate and anything. Right, I think it's, it's all a- Greg Williams and Greg Williams, who produced a Super Bowl winning defense you for New that- Orleans. That's all washed away by the idea right. that I the think it's Sean Payton, the perfectly behaved <laughs> Sean Payton, is so is, is this is his revenge game? Don't buy it. Well, it's it, a double it is, revenge game. It is his it's revenge it's game. Utterly absurd. There's no there's no doubt that there's hard feelings between the two. I think fans and Greg Williams' players, including Roman Harper have much more mixed feelings where they give Greg Williams a lot yeah. of credit and Sean Payton should take more of the blame. But that's beside the point. This is a one-sided game between two teams with the same record. You know what I, I mean? This I mean, should be a close and game. And going back theory. to that play, there were, it was a 21-point lead at that point, 42-21 to 21 for the Saints. It was 10-15 to play in the fourth quarter. Breeze uh, took the ball. Breeze, who, by the way, should be in the MVP conversation, uh, and tossed it to Tim Hightower, who then unfurled that 50-yard pass to Willie Sneed. <laughs> 49 points with 10 minutes to play in the fourth quarter. And they didn't even really call off the dogs until late in the game. The next position, possession, the Saints were throwing at midfield on third down. And then they finally called off uh, the dogs. But absolutely, it seemed like a message was being sent to Greg Williams. And uh, I would say the message was received. Well, I can't help but wonder what the Rams would or the Saints would be if Greg Williams were still 
part of that team. If you could have a little bit of a better defense, this Saints team is fun to watch. And I have to say, Greg, back in the summer, who called the NFC South the most exciting division, Ooh. seemed like absolute nonsense at the time. You've got at least three teams in that division that are fun to watch. Do you this think this, the Saints would have a better defense with Greg Williams? Yes, I do. It feels like a bad day, though, to say that Greg Williams can help a defense. He just got I understand today, but I'm not looking at just today. Overall, the Saints over the last couple of years would, with Greg Williams would have been a better defense, yes. They've been an absolute disaster on that side of the ball. Sounds like from reading Kevin Patra's excellent recap that Sean Payton used his familiarity with Greg Williams to his advantage and that they used uh, aggressive the misdirection, which mm. he knows the Rams' defense is overly aggressive, so they used misdirection and took downfield shots, and that's knowing your opponent pretty well. This is one of the worst defensive efforts I've seen this year. I watch this game pretty closely. Mark Ingram had a touchdown reception where, it, I mean, it looked like a, a, a no-contact scrimmage. He caught the ball and just <laughs> basically jogged in from about 20 yards. He ran through massive holes all game. So the Saints, everything worked for them. And uh, we should note, Jared Goff made some big strides, at least you know in the first half. He threw three touchdown passes in the first half, and, and you guys will watch this game on uh, Game Pass. So, you know He played very well in the first half, and in the second half, uh, they did not put any points on the board, so you have to keep that in mind. But I would say this was some pr- progress, even against a bad Saints defense. I think what you yeah. saw with Goff was he's got the arm that they – that's why they took him. I mean, he can he can throw the ball deep. There was some touch on that. I don't think it's a bad Saints defense anymore. They haven't been for about five weeks. So based on just watching the games the last five weeks, they've been an average defense. They, they've been playing pretty well. They, you know, they lost those two – tight games where you really thought they, they should have won against Denver and Carolina. They're at 5-6, and six, so they have a long uphill battle, but I, I still think they have a chance here. Jared Goff's getting the much-coveted leadoff batter role on Game Pass tonight. Ooh, Ooh, wow. Tasty. Oh, by the way, I yes, got to gotta throw this out here. Yes. Jeff Fisher, after the game, you know, mentions how, well, they had an extra three or four days to prepare oh, for us stop it, coming off of Thursday oh, night game. Come back it to looks us, like Jeff. They can't say that. It well. You can't give your team that kind of an excuse. Come back to us, Jeff. You might not go 7-9, by the way. You want oh, the 7-9 BS? They will be stretched to do pipe that. dream. It is – we are going down 6-10 and 10 alley big time. Maybe, maybe worse. We'll see. Let's stay in the NFC South. Here's the snap, five-step drop by Winston. Looks, Frisky. Tatio fires a fade route toward the horse. Frisky. Caught ball. Touchdown, Adam Humphreys. Touchdown, Tampa Bay. I think you heard Mike Evans. 13. What a great grab by Evans again. A strike for Davis Winston. Oh, Gene Deckerhoff proves that no one's perfect. WFUS, Jameis Winston and Mike Evans connected on two first-half touchdowns in the Tampa Bay defense. Did the rest in a 14 14- Go figure. Five win over the Seattle Seahawks at the Pirate Ship. Does anybody call it that? No? Well, you just did. I think that's a start. Okay. It's better than the big bell bottom. The Seahawks were held to just 245 yards of total offense. Mark Sessler, did the Bucks provide any kind of blueprint on how to slow the Seattle offense? I think the issue for Seattle, and it's we talked about Seattle being of those NFC West teams, the one that's done the best being so shorthanded at the offensive line. It came home to haunt them big time today. I mean, the Bucks have, in their last three games, allowed 17, 10, and today five points. Talk about a defense that's getting better ex- crazy. You know, inexpl- inexplicably mm. over the last couple of weeks. It's them, and they did just enough. They got out to an early start, and on offense, Jameis Winston and Mike Evans frying Seattle for two quick touchdowns. Did not score again uh, all day long, but this is a Seattle team that – Russell Wilson had one yard passing at the half, 
and it was not a mirage. Not a mirage. They could not run the ball. I think the people wondering why they let Kristen Michael go, I understand there was an injury at that position, but there is no sense today that Thomas Rawls alone is going to save you when you can't open holes, and you cannot protect Russell Wilson. He had 80 yards rushing, but again, it's deceptive. It's because everything was breaking down around him. There was no downfield element to their game. Two turnovers, two pick, two picks for Wilson, and every time a key situation seemed to come up, Tampa took him down. Mm. Tampa sacked Russell Wilson in a couple big spots today, and it was a very impressive win by the Bucks. I'm not sure you're going to go see them do this again, but it's a Bucks team. It's a, it's a Seahawks team that scored three points on offense and two on defense. A, a quick look at the NFC South here. There's one team out of it, and it's the Carolina Panthers. Go figure. Um, the win now. The Buccaneers are now six and five, only a game out in the South. The Atlanta Falcons lead the way at seven and four, and the Saints hanging around at five and six. This is an interesting little division as we head toward the final month of the season. You want respect from this podcast? If you're not a very good team, go out and do what the Bucks did. Grab it. Yep, they <laughs> right. took they took respect by beating the Chiefs and the Seahawks. And right, those are two playoff teams. This team is frisky. The Buccaneers. They're they're going to be fun to watch. And Antonio Brown and Julio Jones are going to be fighting for one All Pro spot because Mike Evans has one locked up. Oh wow! I agree with you. That I think Mike Evans has been a monster yeah. this year. He made he made one play. Listen, they don't have Earl Thomas in the Seattle secondary. That's a huge difference. That's I can't think of another safety that the defense would be that different without him on the field. That said, Mike Evans. They asked him to go and be the num. They don't have a lot else around Mike Evans. One play after the next. Well, and they were really banged up at uh, Tampa early in the year, and it was a new defense with Mike Smith. I'm still stunned to see this sort of turnaround, but you have Gerald McCoy playing well now. You have Noah Spence, who missed some games early in the in the season. You're you're a little deeper. I, Robert Ayers was injured early in the season, but I was shocked to see. I mean, there were four sacks and nine QB hits in the first 20 minutes of this game. They finished with 11 QB hits. They took them so out of their element right away. In the first 20 plays, they wreaked total havoc on Seattle. This game, the score would have looked better for Tampa Bay. One, My one critique of Winston, it was a late fourth quarter. They had the ball deep in Seattle territory. Bad he throw. threw, threw a, a bad, He made yeah. a bad decision and threw a pick that gave Seattle a chance to maybe come back and climb. It was the kind of game where you kept thinking, Seattle's going to win this. They're going to find a way, having done nothing all day long, to have that one drive like they do. But Tampa Bay kept shutting them down. I give them a lot of I credit. I guess the question I have, and Chris Wessling is a football historian, um, you you surely remember last year, right around this time, Jameis Winston and the Bucks got really hot. There was a fun little locker room scene <laughs> with Lovey Smith and Winston. Then they lost all the games and everybody got fired. Uh, do we think this Bucks team is different and they, they're a team to really keep an eye on here? I think the one difference from what we've seen the last few weeks and what Mark said about today is their defense is much better than it was last year at this time. Right, and I think Winston is better. Uh, he was more up and down last year. He'll still give the defense a chance to make a few plays, uh, but overall, he's more consistent. Doug Martin obviously hasn't been as good. The, the problem with the Bucks, I think, and I'm all in. Look, I got sandwiches on it. I, I would love for them to uh, <laughs> serve me up some sandwiches. At Chargers versus Saints, at Cowboys, at Saints versus Panthers. Uh, you know that's a tough. That's a they tough. They can road. win four of those. I mean, they they can, but that's a that's a tough road. You're underdog in three of those games. That's all I'm saying. In three v- tough places, all three I would say to, to win. Well, I mean, you spent a that's month all. plus describing how they could get back in the mix, and now yeah. you're telling us how they can. No, I, at some point, you know, they might just have to take you with them. They're going to pull you into January potentially. I hope so. Wes, is this is a Bermuda Triangle team, the Bucks, right? Well, the B- Bermuda Triangle has traditionally been Atlanta, Jacksonville, and Tennessee. Okay. 
maybe. But I, I think extended. If you're in SEC country, yeah. You're not getting any coverage from the NFL. Well, that's why I like this discussion we're having right now. We're getting out of the Bucks. I know a uh, big-time listener of the podcast, Shalin Patel in Tampa, is excited. The Bucks are some, a team to watch. Last well, point, and if Greg. Mike, if Mike Evans uh, played in New York, he would be on every pregame show, every mm. highlight reel. It's he'd because be he's, he's the fourth team in that Bermuda Winston is relatively under the radar I for a number you, one overall pick, having a really good second season. I was going to say – I, I know uh, it's excited. Greg. I know it's sappy. Greg, one more point, then we got. I know move it's on. sappy, but Alteron Werner's interception uh, was a great sports moment. His father. It passed was not away. sappy. It was great. I agree. And, and and it was on Friday. That happens on Friday. He gets the interception, and it's not just that he gets the interception. Just the what happened? The joy. His father passed away on Friday, right. I believe. Uh, he got an interception early in this game, and just the reaction. Uh, by him kind of going to the ground and very emotional. And then more the team all coming around him and supporting him, you know, 20, 30 guys. And it was no, it was no like last second meaningless pick. It was a big pick in a big spot that I think Tampa suddenly gained confidence from it too. He was crying on the sideline. We're, there's so many highlights all day long and so much nonsense being thrown at you. It's something that just got swept aside, but it was a big moment for that team. Not yeah. his only good play of the game from what I saw on Twitter. He must have had a really good game all around. did Let's move on and check out uh, two fringy AFC playoff teams. Rivers back, looking, firing towards the end zone, diving catch! Good catch! Hunter Henry, touchdown, San Diego! A 12-yard catch, Hunter Henry rolling over with the football. He had to peel it off the deck. Peel it! Josh Lewin, K-I-O-Z, with the call. The Chargers are still alive. Uh, Philip Rivers threw three touchdown passes, including the one that you just heard to Hunter Henry. And San Diego pulled within a game of 500 uh, with a 21-13 win over the Houston Tech. Oh, he did it! Oh! Oh! He locked it up! We locked it up. We locked the whole thing up. We turned it up and we said goodbye. See you Sunday night. Thank God you called yourself a lone wolf and you were going to go for the Houston Tex- Texans, which instigated me to Ooh. lock up the Chargers uh, and we pull up the four. There wins. we go. Four across, baby. What, what do we get? Connect four, baby. What's the pat on the back? Ball? What do we this, get? This moment of elation. The segment ends, actually. This is it. There's yeah. no more lock of the week. This That's is it. the extent of our reward. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what do you want? I want more. You want a lollipop? <laughs> a lollipop. For starters. Lollipop coming Something. up for the Sizzler I right after the party show. Horn, I mean, it what feels more yeah, party horn. Hit him with another party horn. Okay, that might have taken. Yeah. That might have been enough. Thank you. That was just for you. Thank you. Sydney's breaking out new Good sound job. drops. She's Validated. got new glasses on. What more do you want? Well, she got a lot of money now. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> she walked in with like one of those poodles and like a Cartier bag. Cartier? You would know, Sydney. I believe it is Cartier. If I knew an expensive type of glasses, I would have, you know, made that sort of joke. But I can't even think of any that that man. Greg walking us through his humor <laughs> process. <laughs> uh, where were we? Oh yeah, we did it. So four across. Uh, Greg, the Texans came into this game with a much better record, but the Chargers simply have a much better quarterback. That's at the heart of everything in this game, right? Not a exciting Chargers game, which was a nice change of pace, I think, for Chargers fans. Although, we'll get to it a little later. Mike McCoy always has to make it a little interesting. Oh, you were pissed. I I was annoyed by Mike McCoy playing not to lose, and that's going to come back to haunt this team. But this game was not really that close because Phillip Rivers can make some tough throws. And I would say this was one of Brock Osweiler's better games, which is pathetic when you think about he had three interceptions in this game. Two of them were. I can't believe it. (laughs) 
two of them were. were you no, know, it took a long time. Greg was saying before the show, a, a, a real catchphrase. Yeah, that's Greg's it. got one. He locked it up. Locked up a catchphrase in a big spot. <laughs> they asked. Uh, they asked Bill O'Brien after the game. By the way, if if Tom Savage will would possibly start next week, he said no. Tom Savage. Well, how will he we said know? no. Brock. There... Brock is his guy. He didn't like that question because he got asked. Tom Savage is real. They asked it to him of twice in a row, and he was getting red faced. I, I Tom lo- Savage is real. <laughs> Sydney's rich, both in heart and spirit and financially. Uh, I I love that Philip Rivers this year with this team has turned into such a big playmaker. He is second in the league and plays over forty yards. He has the second most plays over forty yards of his career. Mm. He he's a good good vertical thrower still at this point in of his of his career. And it wasn't a perfect game, but Dontrell Inman and Tyrell Williams and the defense especially is showing a lot of life and that's what they're gonna need. They gotta win out. We didn't fork him. Greg and uh, Wes are on that hill. I already, I already regret being on this hill. Why is that? For the same reason I'm hard su- to win six straight. I'm surprised well, that Greg that. loves a Chargers team where the coach is kind of just what's what's the right word for him? Mealy mouthed <laughs> from Mike McCoy. He coaches scared. Yeah, he coaches yeah. scared. He coaches coach scared, not and I don't like Scaredy that. Cat. Yeah, I don't think they're going to win six games with the way he coaches scared in the fourth quarter. I also think take he, it all back. He coached Brock Osweiler for a number of seasons and maybe knew not a threat to beat us. Hmm. Interesting. Bill O'Brien should have to stand up there and take those questions because his quarterback, the one that he and Rick Smith handpicked to lead this franchise, is Well, that was kind of forced on him a little bit, but go on. He sat up there in a press conference and said, this guy checks all the boxes. I watched all film on him, and this is the guy we want. This is the guy going to lead our franchise, and he's holding the team hostage. Last year's quarterback room, which featured prominently Brandon Weed and TJ Yates and Ryan Mallett, had a collective 21 and 11 TD to interception ratio. Mm. Brock Osweiler is 12 to 13 it, TD to interception. Here's ratio. the thing: their their formula to win is defense and running, and their defense and running aren't that good. Their defense is fine; it's better at home, but it wasn't good enough today. You know, the Chargers had more playmakers really on their defense than the Texans did. Joey Bosa, who had a quiet couple of games before their bye, got back on the defensive player of the year Monster. with a big time game, seven tackles, drew some penalties, tackles for loss, half a sack, an amazing hustle play to kill uh, a Texans drive. And then Casey Hayward uh, has been a really underrated free agent signing, leads the league in interceptions, made a really good one today. He's been a playmaker. And your boy, Corey Toomer. Wesseling. It's not a Tuma. That's inside linebacker. You love Corey Tuma. I do like Corey Tuma. Kind of this guy who came out of nowhere has been playing great. Tavis Brown might never get his job back. Who knows? They're going to do it. You're the Chargers. You've got the San Diego is the Bucks, the Panthers, the Raiders, the Browns, and the Chiefs. It's doable. I think it is. I would would sooner fork the Texans than the Chargers. Oh, yeah. This this AFC South is tight now. and And I like... I like listeners of the show immediately tweeted uh, a lot of tweets at me that a Chargers Bucks game. It's like the battle of my two real loves. <laughs> so many loves. I'm ready. Let's move on. Uh, more AFC, um, you know, fringy teams. Well, one of them is not even on the fridge anymore. Here's Flacco to throw toward the end zone to Perryman. A leaping grab. Back right side of the end zone. Touchdown, Ravens. He's in the board. Rashad Perriman, a 14-yard pass play from Joe Flacco, and the Ravens jump out to a 6-0 lead with 10-15 to play first quarter. 
Tom McCarthy of West One, Westwood One Sports on the call. Joe Flacco threw that one touchdown pass. And Justin Tucker, the NFL's best kicker, did the rest, hitting four field goals, including three from beyond 50 yards to lead the Ravens to a 19-14 win over the Bengals, um, who are forked hard. Mark Sessler of the Ravens, a team that lost four straight games at one point, will head into December atop the AFC North, just like everybody predicted. Well, I think we predicted that they were unpredictable. We didn't know what would happen with the Ravens. And, you know, they've been that kind of team, flip-flopping back and forth. But for a couple weeks now, we've talked about the potential of their defense and the actual play of their defense. And today came up big because they they are a touchdown-averse offense that needs <laughs> Justin. They need Justin Tucker. And that dude is money in the bank. He's their MVP this season. But if you want a second group, I would look at the young Ravens defense that as the Bengals were in this game longer than they should have been down the stretch, Andy Dalton's final nine attempts on, on drives that could have taken this game somewhere else, four of the nine attempts tipped. They strip sacked Dalton three times. Wow. He's playing behind yet another bad offensive line that we've discussed today. And you remove, you know, Dave Damashek's Jenga theory mm. that you take one player away and the team crumbles. AJ Green fits that as well as oh, for sure. most non quarterbacks in the league. I mean, their offense has no downfield element. It's another game where Jeremy Hill, 12 attempts for 21 yards. They didn't get the ground game going until Rex Burkhead came in in the second half. He kind of actually gave oh, them boy. a little bit of life for a stretch. But this offense, I mean... Bring back Trent Richardson. For the Bengals? Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, well, I mean, bring him back to Cincinnati for the just first time. Bring him back. I, I, yeah. I would say just why not going. at this point. Just keep going. It's, the Bengals are, are exactly... They're what the record is right now. It's not deceptive. And the Ravens, I don't know. I mean, we'll see how the NFC, AFC North finishes up, but their defense is for I, real. When you were mentioning the Jenga piece... I thought you were talking about Justin Tucker and the Ravens because in a sloppy division. Oh, he would be too. He absolutely he is a weapon that could crazy. win this division, which 100%. is a crazy thing to say, but I mean, he's that he, good. I don't the know if you mentioned what league. it was, but it was 52, 54, 57 Seven. yards. And it was like you, you're seeing other kickers mentally fizzle week after week. By the way, Mike Nugent missed his third extra point nice in two thanks. games today, and that, that hurt Cincinnati. But Tucker – Comes out yeah. there, and he knows he's going to hit it. The guy he, is flamboyant. He doesn't lack for confidence. No. He, he said after the game that he believed that he could have hit a 75-yard field goal. And I usually, you know, don't do this. But because it's Justin Tucker's special day, this is how he opened his press conference after the game. You guys smell it? it smells like up, dog. <laughs> What's up, dog? Nothing much, man. So do you. It's a bit. <laughs> guy's got bits. It's a bad bit. He's flying high, and he's got bits. The kicking is better than the post-game performance. He's a, it's a bit. He must be some type of like dude behind the scenes because they, after, when Terrell Suggs was with the media and they asked him to you know assess Tucker's performance, he's like, oh man, like he didn't even want to say anything. He's like, you know, we got to keep this guy under control. So I don't know what to say. Can you imagine what's going on with oh, Justin can. Tucker? NFL kickers are like Major League Baseball closers. As a general rule, they're incredibly overvalued. But the ones who are money are priceless. Mm. And just imagine what the Vikings record would be if they had Justin Tucker right now. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the Ravens especially. I mean, you call them a touchdown-averse offense, which is not an adjective you want to describe uh, your offense, but it's apt. Uh, th- this offense is set up to, to kick 55-yard field goals. That is their offense. Right. Hey, at- let's get to the 35 or so. That's about all we're going to get to. Justin at- Tucker has kicked 14 extra points the entire season. <laughs> Look at the quarterback. Do you know the company Joe Flacco is keeping? It's not most pretty. Con- most Bortles and Bortles. Most consecutive games passer rating over 100. Blake Bortles, Brock Osweiler, Joe Flacco. 
Joe Flacco has the fewest tied under, per- under 100 under 100 passer rating. He he's tied for the fewest touchdown passes of any quarterback who started every game this season. Mark, remember after Super Bowl 47 when Flacco played out of his mind for a month and won the Super Bowl single-handedly, we went to the locker room and Steve Bashotti, the Ravens owner, was sitting AC AC Slater style on a chair backwards with um, a big cigar sticking out of his mouth, just staring ahead with a grin on his face, but wasn't saying anything. And I remember reporters going up to him, and he just didn't even, like, acknowledge him, and people just walked away. I wonder if now, looking back, he was actually thinking to himself, oh, my God, I should have paid Joe Flacco before the season started because this contract is looking worse and worse by the year. And everybody loves Joey Flacco down in Baltimore. I get it. He's forever a hero. But, my God. He's getting paid a lot of money to be a mediocre passer. I don't know if it's entirely on Flacco, but it is interesting to see him kind of come back to the pack so viciously after being a different quarterback for a couple years. Does that contract look as bad as some of the others at this point? I'd have to see where we are with I mean, that. was he ever – I mean, did we – I mean, yeah, he, he, it was outrageous when it happened, but it was quickly – like he was quickly no, the he's fourth, been at fifth, the top. He, he's been at the top of, of getting paid. But – I mean, the cost of doing business when it's one of the great contract. The push, it's one of the great contract pushes ever. I think it's the best. Yeah, it's got to be there. This this AFC North, you never know. One of these teams could still be in the wild card mix. I don't think it's a lock right now that that the Ravens and the Steelers couldn't go to the playoffs. It's possible. It's, well, we talk. We asked Baltimore to go and shut down the Cowboys if we wanted to take their defense absolutely for real. I need to see them do that again against Pittsburgh if Pittsburgh's flying. Well, they this division will probably come down to Week 16 when the two teams match up in mm. Pittsburgh. But an already stout defense like the Ravens, it's hard to overstate that they get a guy like Elvis Dumerville back in week 12 and he makes the play of the game to end the game. I mean, he and Suggs looked mm. like it was four seasons ago. They were both playing great. They're playing without Jimmy Smith, too, so that's two of their best players if you're getting better late in the season. Mark, who was the opponent of the Baltimore Ravens in Super Bowl 35? The New York Giants. <laughs> no, the giant highlights, Sydney. <laughs> Why would that make anyone upset? <laughs> Didn't know where you're going with that. You know, you get money. You got new money over there. Listen, I, you just you got excited. I just, just picked one. Okay. New nickname. New money. <laughs> new money. <laughs> new money. I love it. New money. All right. Can we hear the giant highlight? Yeah, sure. Thanks. Love you, Sid. Drop straight back in the pocket. Gets hit. Ball comes up. Intercepted. Picked off on the fly. Jason Pierre-Paul's got it to the 10-5. Touchdown, Giants. McCown got hit. The ball fluttered in the air. And JPP scores his third career touchdown. Jason Pierre-Paul had the play that put the game away. And Eli Manning and Odell Beckham connected for two touchdowns to lift the New York Giants to a 27-13 win over the still winless Cleveland Browns. Mm, The pick of uh, the three of us in this room to go with the Browns did not work out. Uh, Mark, the Giants are now 8-3, six-game winning streak, and in great position to get back to the playoffs. Great position. Bob Papa with the call. Yeah, it was 14-6 to New York when that Jason Pierre-Paul pick six happened. And yes, that ended the game. But the same DNA that's haunted Cleveland for the last month plus, if not all year long, uh, but which has been intense of late, was present again. And that was Josh McCown getting sacked seven times, him getting pounded back there. Their run game cannot do anything again. Isaiah Crowell should not be starting at this point. I don't know who should be, but he should not. Duke Johnson. He's I mean, played well this year. Well, I mean, he's, Duke Johnson deserves a bigger opportunity. And I, I would look more that when you're the Giants, and this was not a great Giants performance. This is, you can talk about the fact that they are a mid-level team, 8-3 and three record aside, but 
you go into Cleveland, and when you have Odell Beckham, and you've got a young rookie like Sterling Shepard, and you've got even Cruz who made a play today, and you've got an active pass rush, there's nothing from Cleveland's side to stop you, to, to usurp you. There's no star power to match against it. You've got Joe Hayden, who calls himself the best cornerback in football right now. I think he's talented. He's not even close to that, and he knows it. And he, they had to come up with effective disguising secondary coverages to try to stop Beckham and the rest of them, and it doesn't work. You're, you don't have the depth. You don't have the, the power and the ability to shut down anyone in the league right now, anyone. And it's catching up. Uh, and starting to really weigh on Hugh Jackson, who understands the history at play here now at 0-12. Here's what Jackson just had to say after the game as he um, uh, held back tears. Being 0-12 is probably the uh, hardest thing ever. It's been a long 12 weeks. You know, it's been a long 12 weeks. And um, unfortunate uh, for the men in that room over there, we haven't been able to get them a win yet. Press conference that started 20 or 30 minutes late. Uh, the Browns are in, in serious danger of 0-16, Wes. They are. Let's talk about the Giants, who have spent the last three weeks playing patty cake with the Bengals, Browns, and Bears. Doing their job. Winter is coming for the Giants. <laughs> wow, Wes. Look at this schedule. Okay. This is a team that is and 5-1 when they have 330 yards or fewer on offense. They were outgained today, by the way, by the Browns. The rest of the NFL has a 399 winning percentage. The Giants have an 833 winning percentage when they have 300 yards or fewer, 330 yards or fewer on offense. Chickens are coming home to roost. Well, Here, here's their schedule. Next three weeks, they play a first-place team in all three of those weeks. At Pittsburgh versus Dallas at Detroit. Final two weeks, divisional road games at Philly and at Washington. Okay, so they'll be tested. They'll Anything that Giants fans want to say to us that they're not getting enough respect or anything, this team is going to get a chance to prove it. Because even just winning three, like the Bucks. three of those last five games, you're going to be good. And if you want to make the case for the Giants, it's that the defense is not just good, but it's getting better right now. JPP is, get better every week. I, is, I agree. JPP is taking over games. I thought he was the best player on the field last week in the game. And just looking at the box score, three tackles for loss, three sacks, you know, the touchdown. He, he sounds like the best player on the field this week. And now they're getting Olivier Vernon's coming around too. And so the, the defense, it, it can try to win games by, on its own. Yeah, and if you go one and two over those next three weeks, you're nine and five. I mean, it, the Giants have not done it in dominating fashion in the way that we would all like to see. But when and you if you win, go 0-5, and five, you're 8-8. Eight and eight. Well, that's fine, but they, they, the bottom you line think is they could they've, crash that hard. Look at that schedule. It's, I mean, look, the Steelers at Steelers, tough game, but which Steelers team shows up? Home at Cowboys, very tough game. Sunday Night Football, they won the game. Home in against Dallas, Lions. Worth it, noting. I mean, I don't think they should be scared of the Lions. I, and they can also games, beat. Can they can beat Philadelphia the week after. I mean, all uh, oh, the thing is, if you're if you want to if you want to take away, you're eight and three. Yes, you've, it's not been impressive, but these are the teams that make the playoffs because they carve out this kind of start. There's a, there's room for them to. Yeah, they have a lot of room for error now. I, I To talk a little bit about what you said with, with Hugh Jackson, we were talking before um, you know, the game today, Mark, and I think Browns fans obviously want a win, but they're conflicted in some sense. You want a number one seed. Uh, but I think you saw with Hugh, tears, tears were in his eyes. I went back and watched that. It, it was pretty emotional, and he was late to the press conference. You know, it's weighing on Hugh Jackson and it's weighing on, I'm sure, Sashi Brown and everyone in that front office and it's weighing on the players. So there's no there's no conflict in their heart or their minds and they're out there fighting every week. And I think they're going to have this buy to really think about it because they do not want this being stuck on them. It's a big deal to be a winless 
team, and and they are feeling it at this point. It would mean the world to them to get one win. I think they will get a win. Um, I mean, I didn't see it coming against the Giants this week, but there's a chance against Cincinnati. It'll it'll happen in somewhere potentially, but I don't think we any of us could understand right the weight on you when you put 80 hours a week and you're the figurehead of the organization and this happens week after week. It's easy. A 1-15 in season is quickly forgotten. It, but an 0-16 season is historical. And so I think the key is you've got to do everything you can to avoid that fate. Um, before we uh, move on, let's, let's pause now. And there were three games on Thursday night, Thanksgiving here in the United States. So I thought this would be a perfect time to bring back our old favorite song, Wes. What is it called? Five o'clock, eight o'clock. Eight o'clock. Delight? Eight o'clock delight. Sunshine? I think it's eight o'clock delight. Sid, can you help us with that? Eight o'clock delight. All right, I'll get going. Two-minute drill here, everybody with a takeaway from the games. I'll start with the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys now at 10-1 and and in very good position to claim uh, home field advantage throughout the NFC playoffs. I think if they get that number one seed, they're going. They're going to Houston because what we saw on Thursday was a perfect summation of how they are almost impossible to beat in their building. Every time Washington came back, uh, the Dallas Cowboys went right back at them with their their embarrassment of riches on offense. The Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl if they take the number one seed. Who's well, that? They, they got the number one seed. That's over. At this point, with this Seattle loss, they're two and a half they're games. Going to they're not losing three of their next five games. That's what they have to take. And you're right. The Redskins played an almost perfect, your takeaway? perfect game offensively. Sure. I don't know. How many takeaways do we get? One we, each, baby. We're having a conversation. We got two minutes. Well, one team that Cowboys won't be Greg playing. Greg didn't see the emails, apparently. Go not. ahead. One team that Dallas will not play in the playoffs is Minnesota. If, 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 if the gods, the football gods, want to do this correctly. The entire NFC East deserves the playoffs more than the the Minnesota Vikings right now. They are they had a chance on Thanksgiving to rest away that division, and they couldn't get it done. Bye bye. You don't want the Vikings. Wow, you're in. giving up on them. I'm not giving Vikings up. Vikings aren't dead. There's a difference between. I have no effect on them. I'm not giving up on them. <laughs> they are not a playoff team from what I'm watching. How are we on time? By the way, Sid. It's over. Run the song one more time. Wes, you're up said last week that if Andrew Luck wasn't playing, you would see what kind of tire fire the Colts are. That ex- that's exactly what they were. Dropping <laughs> passes, offensive line not blocking, a physically overmatched quarterback mm. who has no instincts for oh running the ball whatsoever. That was rough. Uh, and the Colts, they're not a playoff team either. The, the Titans are the team to beat in the AFC South. That seems fair. Greg? Back to you, baby. The wheel turns, and it's on Rosie. I love that the Lions offense essentially counts on Matthew Stafford to make crazy plays and to win games at the end, and then he just does it. Mm. That's what he does. I loved it. Oh, I can't believe it. <laughs> Let's check out the other New York team. Tom Brady adjusting at the line of scrimmage. Left foot forward, waiting on the snap. Short motion by Edelman, left. Shotgun snap to Brady. He's looking left. He's throwing toward Mitchell. Has the catch inside the left pylon. Touchdown and the lead for the Patriots. Oh, man. What a throw. Bob Sochi? Is that Sochi, Greg? You always ask me. I've never heard. WBZ with the call. Uh, Malcolm Mitchell with the game winner beating, yeah, you guessed it, Darrell Revis late in the fourth quarter to uh, lift the Patriots to a 22-17 win over the New York Jets at the Meadowlands. Cue the throne of ease because the Pats did not play well in this game uh, and still found a way. That's what good teams do. 
Jets are a bad team. New York jumped out to a 10-0 lead in this one and had a lead in the fourth quarter but showed no ability to close the game out on either side of the ball when it mattered most. And um, focus on the Pats here. R Rob Gronkowski exited this game early, I believe in the first quarter, with a back injury. And I think I saw your boy Florio, Greg, um, on Sunday Night Football, the pregame show, uh, report that the Patriots were confident. Uh, we didn't say the Patriots were confident, but he, he said uh, Rob Gronkowski at this point are, is expected to play next week. Okay, and then Seth Walder of the New York Daily News tweeted that he saw Gronk exiting the Meadowlands and he he could barely walk and he was you know he needed help to kind of get down steps or something along those lines. So obviously he was, whatever that injury is, he was not feeling well uh, after the game. Uh, and you really start to wonder um, with Gronk, you know. I mean, he's the best tight end ever, potentially. But is this going to be the part of the the Gronk dialogue going further, where is his body going to eventually betray him? Just the way he plays the game, the size, the the amount of abuse, you get a little worried. Worried as a Pats fan, Greg? It's been part of the equation the whole time, and since he was twenty one years old, right? entering the draft, and yeah. the and the back injury, it's concerning because that's a recurring one. That you know, that's one that you know. I I think they're playing it safe today. Who knows? There's no way to really know Martellus Bennett also gets hurt in this game. And, and just as importantly, you know, Tom Brady wasn't healthy uh, this week. He, he doesn't want to miss two practices. He was technically a game-time decision. And he played his worst game of the season. So, you know, I'm not a – I don't know what reason there was for that, but he missed a lot of throws that he hasn't been missing earlier he in the year. Average less than six yards per attempt. Uh, did throw two touchdowns, including that game winner, and made some big throws down the stretch. Uh, that's what you expect from Brady, but this was throwing 50 passes in less than 300 yards. That's not the Tom Brady we're used to. I but mean, as a Jets fan, I have to ask you a question. Watching, and this is not the first week this has happened, but Darrell Revis just victimized. I stick a fork in him. I, does he play again? Uh, I don't is, think he's, so. He's I honestly a prideful don't think player. So. He's not going to want to. You think this is his last season? I I, do too. I think he takes I, I, the money I, I and goes so home. Too. I think he, he won't move to safety. I don't think the Jets. My feeling, my my guess at this point is that the Jets are really upset about the season on a number of levels, and effort levels a part of it. And I think the idea that he's just going to take a pay cut and they're going to move to safety, I think there's a lot of uh, wiggle on both sides. That Who's would have to, to say he would be good? I, yeah, well, I that's agree part with of that. Why, that's that's a huge. Assignment. He's playing inside sometimes. Uh, this season, I feel that's like not he's shown either. a lack of passion this season. You've, you've seen that reported. I thought it was very telling that Mike McCagnan in his State of the Organization press conference last week during the bye week uh, did not go out of his way to defend Revis on uh, comments about his effort level and, and what type of season he was having. I think Revis is done as a Jet and maybe outright. We'll have to see about that. Uh, but yeah, he got beat routinely in this game. And and, the and in the big drive of the game, too, it was like, OK, right. let's go Mitchell on Revis. That's a matchup. And frankly, like. before then, Edelman beat him for a 24. Yes. Game. And frankly, I thought there was a flaw in the Patriots game plan that they didn't go after him more because it's gotten to the point where Revis is not just uh, not a strength anymore on the Jets. He's an outright liability. And other teams um, have taken advantage of it all year. But uh, one last note before we throw it to Keith on on this game, and I, I couldn't believe it when I saw it. Legarrette Blunt, his first or second carry in the game, I think was the first play of the Pats' second possession. And uh, you, if you check out end around, you'll see this. Um, they ran a play where Legarrette Blunt went one way, then doubled back and went to the op opposite side of the field with Brady all of a sudden lumbering in as a lead blocker. <laughs> and it, it's one of the most unreal things because he goes straight uh, through a, a crowd and every Jet player goes out of their way not to, to touch Tom Brady. And uh, when I tweeted out a vine of this, 
um, some of the vitriol. I mean, this is an unhappy Jets fan base about the, the, what that said about the, this Jets team and, and your opportunity to lay a clean hit on Tom Brady. And, and perhaps, Chris Wessling, it, it was more like a Joe Namath 1974 act of respect. <laughs> but I don't know how you, how you let that opportunity pass. You kind of put re, uh, Brady on his ass. It says a lot about this Jets team this year to me. I would have to look at the play closer. It seemed to me that he did a good job of just avoiding contact on his own. It was some Jedi mind trick stuff, if, if that's what he was trying to do. He was just, he's not moving too well. He, you know, one guy said it was like Tom Brady was running on stilts, somebody on Twitter, but, over a fault line uh, or something along those lines. Well, and the first time all year, pointing to the knee injury, the slight regression did look like it, take, it took hold as far as his pocket movement went. He couldn't escape pressure, and the Jets were pushing him off his spot early in the game. The Jets always play well against Brady, especially at home. Uh, it's been that way since Rex got to town. Uh, I, this my only – the slight regression, I'm not going to celebrate because the Jets lost, obviously, and he made, Brady made some big throws down the stretch. But, again, this does – this is kind of part of what I was getting at in my prediction that it looks like it's going to be wrong, but – uh, if you can get some consistent pressure on him, and he's if he's not moving well, and part of being 39 years old is you might have a, might have injuries that you can't heal from, is he vulnerable against a big pass rush? In well, January? but you essentially we'll need him to be hurt for this regression, to which take is what hold. happens when well, you're 39 years old. I get it's that. All it just together, you know. Yeah. Anyway, let's see what Keith had to say after another brutal Jets loss. Now three and eight in a loss season. His name is Keith. He's Dan's dad. And once again, the Jets uh, have perfected the art of losing uh, <laughs> a game that I thought that you could have won. It's just uh, needing when the defense had to make the big play or the offense had to step up and make a big play, they both failed. Uh, so it was just another uh, tough loss for the Jets. Uh, I thought Revis uh, in a couple of big plays, uh, was showing up once again at the corner position. So uh, I don't know what's going to happen with that $17 million he's making this year, but we'll see what happens. Disappointing game, uh, despite the fact that they played the Patriots tough. Bye. We might have, by the way, uh, Keith Hans is in studio next week. Mm. So. Oh, wow. yeah. Jets are wow. playing on Monday night, so it doesn't work out, but he might be behind <laughs> the that. glass. Uh, maybe we can talk to him a bit. D- disappointing mm. game, by the way, for the Patriots. I mean, they're, they are the masters of saying it doesn't matter until Thanksgiving. You want to, you know, that, I think that comes from Parcells and Belichick. That's where Francesa really, I think, I think gets it. And they're playing worse right now. You know, they had reminiscent of last year. their first QB hit of the season of the of the game was the sack fumble by Chris Long, which is a big time play to to win the game. Uh, it's great that Brady put together a, a game-winning drive. They hadn't really been in that position uh, except for the Seattle game all year, and he and he delivered. But they're they're playing worse. They, I mean, I mean, are you concerned we, about the five weeks ago? You guys were saying the season's over. They're well, in the I, Super Bowl. All right. Hold on. Number one. I mean, you're coming off a win. You, you, By the way, right. This is throne of ease. Greg oh, getting touchy after get, a Patriots win that was too close for comfort. Well, it's no. got to be the final question. Are you concerned about their ceiling yes. versus where you were a month ago? Oh, absolutely. I don't think they're playing great. I mean, I think it, it could change, but the last four, three or four weeks, they're not like a, a well, great team. Well, you've got to come up with they a couple could... AFC teams that are consistently better than them for us to be really the concerned The Gronk thing's a big deal, though. It we is. We have to see it, what's it, going on with his of body. Of course it is. They're yes. a dink and 
dink and dunk offense without Gronk and Martellus Bennett aggravated his ankle injury today. They didn't have a play over 20 yards right. until the middle of the fourth the quarter. The defense has been pretty bad all year. And just because you play the 49ers and Jets and you have the and the in the Rams, and now if the offense comes back to the pack, I'm just saying they're not. Are they're they playing a, their worst football now. That's are they all. a better team than the Raiders? Yes. Yeah. Raiders got magic, boys. I think they're. I think all those teams are close, but yeah. Let's continue our tour through the AFC East and take a look at the second place team. Kaepernick takes the snap, looking, stepping up. He's going to try to run for it. Not on the far side, pump fakes, dives. He's tackled just short of the goal line. And by a yard, the Miami Dolphins hang on and win. Kaepernick saw open green, and he thought he had the right side of the end zone, but the Dolphins squeezed him in that final yard and stopped him. Nice call by Ted Robinson, KNBR. Colin Kaepernick's final second scramble came up just short, and the Miami Dolphins ran off the field with a 31-24 win. I think that's their sixth straight victory. Crazy. Um, Greg, the Dolphins came dangerously close to letting this one slip away. Um, You know, maybe we should be handing out lollipops, holding off the Niners at home, but they have to be feeling good about their playoff chances after uh, all these victories. They have not lost in months. And and – for the second time in three weeks, Ryan Tannehill was a huge reason why they won, and probably more than any game this year, they needed him to make good throws down the field. I know it's against the 49ers, but if you're throwing the ball 35 yards into tight coverage, it's still a tough throw, and he made a lot of good throws, and man, is he fast. There was a couple plays as a runner that were key where the pressure's coming after him, and they just could not get him to the ground on a day when Colin Kaepernick... Uh, ran for over 100 yards and, and reminded everyone what a monster is. he is as a fantasy quarterback. Tannehill can run, too, and, and he was the better quarterback ultimately in the game. I think when their winning streak started, we all looked at Jay Ajayi and said, hey, that gives them an identity finally. They've got something to hang their hat on. And now the last three weeks you look at Tannehill and you say three weeks ago that was his toughest performance of his career against the Chargers, taking big hits. Last week, the best fourth-quarter comeback of his career right. with the game on the line. And this week, one of his best passing games. You're seeing the progress we've been asking for for four years now. 9.5 yards per attempt from a quarterback that the narrative's always been he's challenged deep. He doesn't show chemistry with whoever his wide receivers are. And are we are we willing to look at Adam Gase now and finally give him some credit, or is it nothing to do with Adam Gase? I think let's wait till the end of the season. It's uh, He's obviously done a great job in season just coaching this team. In terms of Tannehill and, and quarterback guru, I think let's have it play out. But this is this has been yeah. great for they were I, I wouldn't say they were they ultimately outplayed the 49ers by much. It was it was a close game where the 49ers ended the game on the two yard line. They fumbled the ball in the red zone, selected, and they had a tipped interception. Uh, which was, you know, a little bit of luck, and that was kind of the difference. I would probably put the 49ers ahead of the Browns now in terms of when you're talking about the worst teams because they're they're playing teams tight three weeks in a row against a pretty good competition. Doesn't yeah. mean much because they're still losing every week, but um, that's that's what I feel about that. The other thing I want to say now that, and you know, me and Handsome Hank have beef over this Dolphins team, and I'm not, you know, whatever. But <laughs> this is where now we're going to see: is this Dolphins team a different Dolphins team, or are they the same old Dolphins? You got your Niners win at home. You're flying at seven and four. 
Now you go. Now here's a tough game at Baltimore next week. Not a not a, a killer game. Tough game. If you're a different Dolphins team, uh, do you win this game in December? After that, you host the Cardinals, a downtrodden Cardinals team this year. Do you take care of business at home? Then you go out to the Meadowlands and Rich Stadium or whatever it's called now. Uh, after that, before ending your season at home, so many Dolphins mm. seasons lost in December. Now we see if they're the real deal. I'm not convinced just yet. Suddenly, the AFC has. 10 teams with six wins or more. So it's a it's a deep field that could go a lot of different ways. Even at seven and four, it's not like the Dolphins are in great shape. Can I ask one question about the Niners real fast? If you're Chip Kelly and you're kept for next season, I, or, or you choose to stay, I'm not sure all those things are definitively true, um, mm-hmm. but in, let's say you have the fourth, third, second, third, fourth pick in the draft somehow. Is there any scenario where you keep Colin Kaepernick and don't decide to take another quarterback very high? I think it's way too early. I mean, we don't follow the college game close enough to have a beat on any of these quarterbacks, but I think it's way too early until you know what their scouts think about the quarterback. I mean, in a season where the Browns and the 49ers and teams like the Jets need a quarterback, the Bears, uh, we're not hearing good reports on this QB class. No, we're hearing bad reports almost exclusively. I'm just saying to you, I, I wonder if more of the question is, is Colin Kaepernick done anything to say, I am the guy going forward, I've changed your mind about me? I don't think so. Even though he's a monster in fantasy leagues, he's been up and down, he's shown some things, he's obviously talented, and he fits Chip, what Chip Kelly does, but maybe he's a good guy to have there to be with a, a rookie quarterback or to compete. I think he's shown that, but not where you're going to say, let's just stay away from Well, him. I'd certainly hope no coach is keeping anyone based on their fantasy numbers. That <laughs> right. would be concerning. Let's uh, complete our look at the AFC East with one of the more fun games of the day. First down bills from their own 25-yard line. The snap and the give goes to McCoy. Cuts to the right, now at the middle. Shady on the run at the 40. Out of midfield, holding the ball in his right hand at the Jacksonville 40. Outrunning everybody, 20, 15, 10, 5. Touchdown! Touchdown! Shady McCoy, touchdown! 75 yards! I like that one a lot. I love when the passion overwhelms a man doing his job. Why not? In the broadcast booth. Much agree with you. Of a football game. Yeah. Let's, Let's just put that on the list, Sid. I'm not saying... It's going to be in the top 10 at the end of the season. It's a good one. That was John Murphy, WGR. Anyway, the Bills uh, came into this game leading the NFL uh, in rushing yards per game. And, uh, you know, then LaShawn McCoy took one to the house early in the third quarter, 75 yards. And I uh, that was uh, a big play in a 28-20 win, 21 win for the Bills over the Jaguars. And, uh, you know, this was a game. I thought the, the turning point of this game, guys, was – the Bills were getting booed uh, at, I believe it is New Era Stadium. Uh, late in the f- second quarter, four minutes to play. They're being blanked by Jacksonville. Uh, they're down 7 nothing, And on fourth and less than a yard um, in field goal range, uh, Rex sends out Dan Carpenter with uh, less than two minutes to play and then thinks better of it and takes Carpenter off the field, sends... Um, the offense back on the field. Two plays later, they're in the end zone. And then over the next nine plays from scrimmage, they had scored three touchdowns. So I thought it was a nice bit of onion hanging by Rex. If he would have kicked the field goal, I thought that would have been gutless. Uh, he, he thought better of it, and I thought the Bills offense rewarded, rewarded him in this game. Uh, and uh, that was a big difference in the game for me. Nice to have Sammy Watkins back. Three targets, three catches, 80 yards. Ball, a beautiful I mean, that's half ball. their passing yards. 
a beautiful deep ball from T- Tyrod Taylor, who played really well. When we look back at the season, to me, one of the guys that really stands out uh, for me is Tyrod Taylor. I know he's not the perfect quarterback, but I really do think that he is the answer for the Bills. That That's something I didn't necessarily believe in entering the season. He makes so many plays. He, he, he can make throws. He'll miss throws occasionally. You see that every week. But he's also, in terms of mobility, I, I think he's the best. He had a touchdown run in this game where he basically, with, uh, with pressure all around him, sidestepped a couple guys and then darted into the end zone. I don't know how many uh, guys, a healthy Russell Wilson and, and maybe a couple others, but uh, I thought he played really well in this game. Um, and Shady McCoy, two touchdowns. This team's dangerous. A very dangerous. Yeah, I don't think any NF- AFC contender wants to see the Bills in the playoffs. Wait. With Sammy Watkins back, Tyrod Taylor is playing better than his passing numbers would suggest. LaShawn McCoy's having an All-Pro year, or at least a Pro Bowl. Darius is starting to make plays for them. They've got their schedule. They're six and five. They go to Oakland. Then they have three home games, and they play pretty well at home. And they close at the Jets, who could be starting Bryce Petty in Week 17. Oh, that would be sweet justice if the Jets going nowhere knocked out Rex in Week 17 after it happened the other mm. way around last season. We'll see if it comes I to mean, that. I mean, low wattage justice. That is that's not a lot for a Jets <laughs> fan to take away from this. That'd be point. nice. Low wattage I, justice. I understand. I mean, it's I, I hear where you're. You coming should know from. more than anyone, Mark. You just take your victories where you can have them. I mean, it's I I don't I don't know. We don't need to go down that wormhole right now, but. Sounds like a bad buddy cop movie. Low wattage justice. <laughs> Low wattage justice. What? Can I ask you a question? You, you watched this one? Oh, I did. LaShawn McCoy, I mean, you take away the long run. He's got 18 characters for about 27 yards. My one feeling about LaShawn McCoy is when he's healthy, this offense is so much better and so dangerous. They're the yeah. toughest rushing they, attack to stop. In right. The were they shutting him down uh, other than that big Jacksonville, run? here's the thing. They are the NFL's um, Inland Beach House franchise, of course. But I thought that they, I thought they played well in this game. And I thought Blake Bortles had some really nice moments um, in this game. He actually didn't throw an interception for the first time. This is an insane stat. They had a touchdown drive in their first possession of the game. It was their first opening drive touchdown since Week Two of last year. Yikes. So that was a problem that that's obviously haunted this team. Uh, throughout Bortles' tenured. But, I, you know, I thought they played well and they just they didn't play good enough in this game. The Bills were the Their better Their defense team. has been better. It's not a great defense, but it's a, an average to good defense. The offense has been the issue. I mean, Mark, I would have never expected in a million years Marquise Lee. Albino Tiger. Is quite possibly their best receiver this season. They're certainly their most oh, consistent it's... and been playing great. I mean, he deserves credit for it, but I, I would have never expected. I, I think he's just about leading the team. He's barely trading, trailing Robinson, but he's made a lot of plays lately. All right, let's move on, gentlemen. little Tennessee Titans talk. Fourth down. Barkley under pressure. Hit as he fires, and the pass is incomplete. Intended for Thompson, and he could not hang on. With Parrish Cox defending with all he had, Tennessee, exhale. Mike Keith, WGFX, Titans Radio. The Bears had their chances to steal one from the Titans, but they couldn't get it done. The Titans, with the help of some Chicago drops, moved to 6-6 six and six after a 27-21 to 21 win. Marcus Mariota continues to play at a high level, but Wes, did you come away impressed by Tennessee's latest conquest? I was impressed. Uh, until Mike Malarkey did his best Mike McCoy impression, tried <laughs> to play not to lose, sit on the ball, don't believe that Matt Barkley could possibly bring his team back into the game. Titans had zero sacks against a banged-up Bears offensive line. 
Their defense didn't play well. Their cornerbacks got picked on. And you're right. They needed drops. They needed the Bears to drop the ball like Josh Bellamy did in the end. Wide open play. The, the Titans were the better team. They just lo- allowed the Bears to come back into it by taking their foot off the gas pedal. But I mean, imagine think, blowing this game, and it came very close to happening. Are you concerned? You said you think the Titans are the favorite now in the AFC South, or you would take them. Uh, well, the when, once Andrew Luck gets back, it's a different Colts team. I assume, I think I assume he'll be back next game. They I have no said, faith in the Texans whatsoever. Here, here's the thing. The Titans' defense is worse now than the Colts' defense. The Titans' defense is just as bad, just about, as about the that. Texans' offense. Depends on the week. They get well, sacks, but they don't the get Colts stops. The Colts don't have anyone They like... give up 400 yards to Matt Barkley. Any, any other defense that would be frying them. And week after week, like, we see them give up yards and points. The they should Colts be better. The Colts have no one like Jarrell Casey, Brian Arakpo, and Derek Morgan. Right, but as, as, a, as a team, they're giving up yards. They're giving up points. They're not making a lot I mean, of points. We're plays. talking about... With these AFC South teams, which one has the most poignant weakness? Well, they all do, and it's it's really a race to see who goes into January and gets picked off big time. Mark makes a stop in at the lab. I like it. Door was open. <laughs> I like. Any it. other thoughts on this game, gentlemen? No. Marcus Mariota set a fran- or a continued a franchise record, at least two touchdowns in eight straight games. He's playing well. Matt Barkley, by the way, has been in the league since 2013. Today, threw his first touchdown pass. Model. Three of them. Model. He also threw two red zone interceptions, cost his team the game, and Mariota has zero re- red zone interceptions his entire career. I like wow. the upside of Mariota over Matt Barkley <laughs> at this point. Mariota also has a 118 passer rating in his last eight games. Well, the Texans uh, are probably shouldn't have dropped him off my face. <laughs> Eight games. Ago. Also, he he already has with four Romo games. will be back soon, right? <laughs> with four games Still left to play, you'll appreciate this. Then, yeah, he already has the Titans' record for most touchdown passes oh, in the good. season. Good, I'm happy for him. It's good. Just looking at at the schedule. If the Texans lose next week, which I just I just think they always are going to lose, although it's at Green Bay, that's not a tough game anymore. There could be. I'm kind of sensing when the Titans come back from their bye, a three way tie atop the AFC South at six and six. Colts awesome. have the Jets next week, a very winnable game, unfortunately, on Monday Night Football. <laughs> I don't care. It's over. <laughs> yeah, give me 3-13. and 13. Let's go. Texans are on the road the next two weeks. Yeah. Uh, all right. Let's move on. Which takes us to Sunday Night Football. Oh, Sunday night. And what a game it was for the fourth time in seven weeks. We go to overtime. Uh, this game between the Chiefs and Broncos in Denver, a game that Denver appeared to have in hand late in the fourth quarter with an eight-point lead. Trevor Simeon playing tremendously well from the second half on, uh, putting Denver ahead. Kansas City has one last chance. Alex Smith leads his team down the field. Uh, They get a touchdown uh, with 12 seconds to play, a a play that was – game was almost over at that point because it was a – uh, a challenge. It was originally spotted right near the goal line, but after a challenge, it was ruled a touchdown. They then con- convert the two-point conversion to go to overtime, and then in the OT, they trade the two sides trade field goals, and then take it away. Mike Tirico and uh, and excuse me, Chris Collinsworth after the Broncos. Uh, attempt a 62-yarder with Brandon McManus that gives Kansas City great field position. Take it away, Mike Tirico and Chris Collinsworth. 34-yard attempt for the win. Off the upright and in and 
game winner, Kansas City. You gotta be kidding me. <laughs> the only way this game could end. Holy smokes. Wow, what a game, Greg Rosenthal. Whoa! It, insanity. So many places to start. I think you got to start with the Gary Kubiak decision to kick the field goal 62 yards in tough conditions, but not as windy at that moment. I did not mind the decision because he did not want a tie. He wanted someone to, he wanted to win the game. He almost looked at a tie as, as just as bad as a loss. You could have gone for it on fourth down, fourth and 10. That would have been the other option. He went for the kick. He went big and it didn't work. I I would say that he should have thrown the ball there. If you're going to go for it, they, they talked about the kicker saying before the game that he, he was topping out at 60 yards. You're asking him to make a 62-yarder. It's fourth and 10. Oh, Sunday night. <laughs> I just, I go for it. Like, I just, I would, I, if you're going to go for it, unfurl the pass and go for it. Yeah, I think it's, it's very unusual to see multiple things in a game that you've never seen before. One of them was that when they kicked the field goal, the other team already has better field position than you had when you kicked the field goal. Sure. And the other one was Tyreek Hill's touchdown. I had never seen a play going into overtime or not where it, the guy has to bobble the ball in order for it to be a touchdown. Right. That was insane. Because if yeah, if that if he catches it clean, the game is over. I mean, right. it, it just one of the wild, most wild endings. And then that the field goal, as you heard on the on the call, gets drilled off the uprights at at such a velocity that it's able to stay just inside the opposite upright. And, and it barely passed the cross. Just past, you could see the shadow uh, uh, on the opposite upright, and the the upright is shaking on the other side because it had hit the first a thirty-four yard attempt that Santos has got to put down the middle. But uh, you make it, and and just one of the biggest wins for the Chiefs in a very long time, and it puts them in great position here. Well, the the thing that stands out to me in this game, we make fun of Alex Smith a lot. He doesn't go down the field. We made fun of him a few times in this game where he didn't take shots he down the, it. down the field. But you know what? The, the facts are. He gets the ball needing to score eight points against the vaunted Broncos defense in Denver, and he drives it 75 yards for a touchdown to win the game. Then the next time he gets the ball, he's in overtime. You have to score points against the Broncos defense in overtime or the game is over, and he does it. Then he gets the ball at the end there, one one timeout. Very good in the game management and the clock and not rushing things. And he had three chances there where basically you got to score or else you're going to lose or in the last case you tie. And he delivered every single time. Let's not overpraise Alex Smith. I'm just saying Those it's a result business. But the facts also are he ran himself into some sacks and negative plays throughout yep. the game. They had 50 yards at halftime, and he didn't throw a pass over 10 yards right. until six and a half minutes left in the game. This is why... We crap on the Chiefs all the time. They play boring football, and they were extremely lucky, as lucky as any team I've ever seen to win this football But there game. was no luck in those last three drives. That's the thing. I, I agree with you. Of course there was. Tyreek Hill's touchdown was luck. But they made a great this drive. This late to- at night, guys. Get up out of the lab. Yeah, we're not I in mean, the lab. that was we're, luck. We're of having, course it was luck. I guess my point is the play before that, a fourth down, 
uh, a situation where the Broncos are blitzing six. He throws it to Hill, a perfect touch pass who gets out of bounds. There were a lot of plays where if, if Smith it. doesn't make the play, the game's over. But you got to give some credit for playing his best in the biggest moment. Also, 44 attempts, uh, 5.0 yards per attempt. So it was a very Throw Alex away the Smith stout game. sheet. Throw away the stat I'm, sheet. You can't just look at the game completely on those last couple drives, the bigger picture, but he made some big plays. What a crazy game. And so did Simeon. That's the unfortunate thing. He, This, to me, was almost typical of his season in that he played outstanding and he's not going to get any love for it because he he was electric I really think after halftime. people that really follow the game. Well, he didn't get what he wanted, which is a win. No. It's amazing that we've talked already five minutes about this game. We haven't mentioned Justin Houston or Von Miller, both of whom had two of the best edge rushing games all year. I think they combined for six sacks, if I'm not mistaken. They did. Uh, which uh, tells you quite a bit. They had seven quarterback hits combined, six sacks, uh, ten tackles for each man. I Whoa. mean, and, and this was the game. We've talked a lot about Tyreek Hill. This was the game, kind of a breakout game on a national stage. Three touchdowns, one as a returner. To me, that's such a Chiefs way to score nine points in the first half. You get a Justin Houston safety and a Tyreek Hill return off of a free kick after the safety to put up nine points. And then Hill has a rushing touchdown and a receiving touchdown. I mean, this is what he's been doing all year. Wow. So the Chiefs moved to 8-3. and three. The Broncos, the defending Super Bowl champions, now two games behind the Raiders in the AFC West with only five games to play. So obviously a huge uh, outcome uh, in Denver tonight. And uh, that's it for us tonight. I mean, enough of it. I mean, uh, new money behind the glass. I mean, how many... Overtime games on Sunday night. We're just trying to get home to our families. No more, please. Please, no more. <laughs> <laughs> All right. That's it. The next time you hear from us, it will be on Tuesday. Uh, so thanks to everyone for listening. Make sure you go to iTunes and you leave uh, ratings and comments and all that good stuff. Support the show, and uh, we will not let you down. That's it for today's show. This is Dan Hansen signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the boss. And new money. New money. Behind the glass. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp fresh unmistakable irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses so when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it irish spring body wash and bar soap fresh green irish shop now at a store near you Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. This is Amy Brown from Four Things with Amy Brown. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. 
It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways that Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthier happens together. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual.